the blast from our past network. This week on Talking Back, we hear about more weird things from Tim's childhood. Talking Back. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host Tim, and with me today, as usual, is co-host Dean. Dean, we are having you back again to continue this test. I'm back. I was unsure after the last podcast whether or not you truly could join in on a Star Trek TV show episode. I needed to do more research, so okay. we've decided to do Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, yes. where I will continue to test you in the ways of Starfleet, so Interesting. Okay, see, because I up. felt... I felt like last episode was a pretty good test, and I did, you know, kind of the best that I could possibly do. Maybe my best episode ever. Um, so I was thinking I was really just going to be accepted back on. Um, but I guess that was Tim. I guess that was a Kobayashi Maru. Yeah, I guess was. that was a no-win situation, that first episode. <laughs> well, sort of. Yeah, because that was just a pure sci-fi movie. Uh, right, and that's true. kind of a standalone for Star Trek. That's not really, like, yeah. what the series is mostly about so i thought we'd have you back for something more like the actual series that's 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 a good point because that yeah that first that first uh movie is basically just a uh slow burn sci-fi think piece which is kind of my jam so (laughs) that's just a movie i would like anyways yeah for 95 percent of it you're just flying over top of the vessel this alien vessel (laughs) and then the uh five minutes of dialogue and it's over so and that's that's my jam i love that (laughs) yeah now, Dean, Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan was just about Star Trek II The Vengeance of Khan, but it was too close to the upcoming release of Revenge of the Jedi, which was later named Return of the Jedi. Ah, interesting. So okay, they both change, changed. They changed the name. Everybody's oh, being man. like, oh, we're, our, name, our naming convention is too aggressive. We got <laughs> yeah. to simmer down a little bit. Interesting. Yeah, that that would be the revenge. See, the the revenge of Khan. I get. I get that. But the revenge of the Jedi is a little aggressive. That's too aggressive. Yeah. It's too aggressive for an uh, Ewok movie. Yeah. So released in 1982, with a budget of 12 million dollars, this film grosses 97 million. Dude, money. Wow. 8.083. Nice. Boom. Nice. Not as so not as much money as the first one but a bigger multiplier not nearly as as much as the first one yeah the first one was 44 million this one was 12 yeah but i, I mean i mean it didn't gross as much as the first no, no, one i know what you but mean a, but, but a much yeah much bigger multiplier no no i get that i'm just saying like compare the 12 to the 44 that's insane oh yeah yeah totally it's like well obviously it's a, it's a quarter of it like that's look at you bringing the math now <laughs> why did they cut so much why did I'll they cut you. the budget so much i'll tell you why but it had the uh, it had the largest opening weekend ever up until that point for uh, a release. So really, yeah, yeah. Now directed by Nicholas Mayer, probably most well known for his work on Star Trek, he directs this movie as well as the fourth and fifth installments in the series. Story was created by. Now this is funny. After that nice story I told about Gene Roddenberry last time. He's actually forced off of this movie because oh, no. producers didn't like the first movie. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, uh, the producers were bored by that one. It was too boring. They wanted Makes to make, sense. they wanted someone to make a better movie for less money. Isn't that like total producer talk? <laughs> That's such a producer talk. It's like, okay, so the first one, great. Yeah, I didn't like it. But um, can we get a better movie than that? And also, I would love to spend less. Yeah. And it's such, uh, a, it's such a producer type thing. They probably asked for it faster as well, too. How many producers? Better, said, cheaper, yeah. faster. Let's go. Yeah, can we do that? Let's yeah. do that. Why who's, don't we just who's do on that board. this time? Yeah. yeah. More profits. So they bring in producer and writer Harvey Bennett to write the story. Now, in preparation for writing the film, he watches all 79 episodes of the original series and was like very it. captivated by the episode Space Seed which is the first appearance of Khan. 
So this is this is interesting because as I mentioned in the last episode, the first movie felt nothing like an original series episode. But now you've got a guy writing the story for the second movie who's basing it upon watching all of the episodes. Fantastic. You get that completely different feel in this movie. This one feels like, like way more like an episode. Interesting. Okay. Now, music by James Horner, another great composer we haven't actually talked that much about. He's done the likes of Apollo 13, Braveheart, Titanic, Avatar, Crawl. I mentioned this movie last time, and this has come up again. I love this movie. It's like a, an old fantasy movie from the 80s, um, a British oh, movie. Yeah. Really, really cool. I love it. Great vibe going on in that movie. Lots of people hate it, but um, it's coming up again this episode. Commando. Double feature, Tim? Double feature? Crawl on double feature? Yeah, yeah. Crawl could hit double feature for sure. All right. The Land Before Time, he did. He did The Rocketeer. And weirdly enough, this guy did Aliens. Oh, interesting. Okay. Now, the last guy did Alien. The last guy, uh, this did, guy, alien, this guy did, did Aliens. This guy did Aliens. Wow. What's going wow. on? Okay, he's the, he's the sequel guy. I feel like we got sucked into a wormhole, Dean. Interesting. And, you uh, are looking a little blurry there, Tim. Yeah. Yeah, and things Your got... Your voice is a little modulated. <laughs> My voice is modulated, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, uh, I injected a dose of Brian into me this morning. <laughs> so I thought I'd see how that goes. Experiment, yeah. <laughs> Just see what happens. Talking back. How was that? Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> okay. I see you, Tim, but I hear Brian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are we are as one. I uh I have assimilated Brian. <laughs> you made contact with I made with first Brian. contact with, with Brian. <laughs> I wanted he, to he combine I wanted to combine with Brian, the creator. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, that's great. Now, our cast, same as the last time. It's our uh, classic group of lovable characters from the original Star Trek series with the oh, yeah. uh, the excellent addition of Ricardo Montalban as Khan. That is what an a, excellent addition. What an amazing job that guy does. Yeah, you forgot also the not excellent addition of Kirstie Alley. Oh, dude, I loved her performance in this. Are you serious? Okay. Yeah. You didn't like it? I, di- I I don't understand, again, maybe it's just that I don't understand Star Trek characters, but she did not seem like a Vulcan to me. Oh, see, this is why I needed to have another movie review, just to, to dig deeper. Uh, dig, totally. Dig deeper into your thoughts and feelings about this stuff. I, maybe for me, it's just the character. I just didn't quite get how that character was a Vulcan. Um, well, like she, I don't know. I, I just, maybe I don't understand Vulcans very much. Like she, she had pointy like, ears. Oh, is that it? That's all you need. <laughs> oh, okay. Because she's she seemed very like she had like a lot of human qualities to her. Mm. Well, she could have been part human as well. I'm not too sure. I don't. Oh, okay. I don't think so. I don't think she is. But yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, here's a little um, knowledge on the Vulcans: is they have emotions. They all have emotions. They just repress okay. them. They've they've been taught through training to oh. repress their emotions. So they have they have bigger emotions than humans do. They just they don't show them oh okay okay yeah i accept i accept more of the scenes then now i mean i know the scene that you might be concerned about which we'll get to we'll get to yeah 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 so a bit of background on khan before we get started for anybody who doesn't know about khan he is one of a group of genetically engineered superhumans who was bred to be free of the usual human mental and physical limitations through selective breeding. Now, him and his crew of like 84 became tyrants and conquered more than one third of Earth during the eugenic wars of 1990. Remember those? Remember back in 90 I, when we had the eugenics wars? I do remember those. Yeah, he, he was a he's a big force. <laughs> There's a little touch and go there for a while. A little touch and go, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you had the Spice Girls, you had Friends, and you had the Eugenic Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get right into the story. I'm ready. Dude, I'm so ready for this one. uh, Let's uh, hit hit our impulse drive and um, slowly move out of space dock and into (laughs) the space that is this story. (laughs) Sounds great, Tim. (laughs) Let's just glide into that nice and slowly. Yeah, exactly. 
So we start off with a classic credit scene of us floating through the stars, nice music playing, and we get some credits. Now, while people should know by now, I really hate opening credit scenes. It is a great time to go get uh, the jujubes that you forgot to, to grab or some milk. Um, but <laughs> milk? I... <laughs> Some, I, some people grab milk. I don't. Who drink some milk while they're watching know. a movie? I don't know. I'm sure there's people out there that drink milk. <laughs> that was amazing. I, I appreciate what I appreciate about these credits is I appreciate that they only give us a few of the credits. They keep it nice and short. Okay, so okay, I'm yeah, on yeah. board. If you're going to go that route, I'm okay with it. If you just do it tastefully, and both this one and the original did it tastefully, just nice and short, just to let you know that there are credits. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind opening credits. I kind of like that time to uh, to go do something. It's like when I'm watching old TV series and their intro song is like a minute long. I'm like, perfect. I can just go. I let that thing run. I will never skip intro. I let that thing run. I go grab my milk, my glass of milk oh, yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. return back to watch the next episode. I love it. I love opening credits. Yeah. Well, before like PVRs and stuff like that, those long op- openings would buy you an extra minute. To like totally, yeah. get into your house and to, to get to the show. Yeah, definitely. So we start on the bridge of the Enterprise with the regular crew, except this time your hated Kirstie Alley is the captain. I mean, I, Tim, I don't hate her. Oh, maybe I misunderstood. It's just, <laughs> I don't hate her. I just didn't think she was fantastic. Okay, you, 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 you don't think she's believable as a Vulcan? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay, so... What we hear is we hear someone say Kobayashi Maru. Now, we know what that is, but at the time, this was the first ever mention of it. So right, nobody right. else would we have known know because, what was going on. Because of Star Trek, the, the movie we covered, the 2009 movie we covered had the Kobayashi Maru in it. So I knew what that was. Right. And I didn't really know that this was the first mention of it. So I thought that was pretty cool. I looked up after to see that that was the first mention. This was the first. There's many other mentions throughout um, the series and books and video games and stuff like that. But yes, this was the the first. I actually didn't know that either. I had to look that up as well. Uh, but Dean, I am going to test you here um, on what oh. the Kobayashi Maru is. This is something oh. you need to know. Easy. So, sounds like you know what it is. So let us have it. Yeah, it's a no-win scenario. Right. Well, why why did they give them the Kobayashi Maru? Why did they give the Kobayashi Maru to see how they would handle that situation? Right. They want to see how they're gonna how these potential captains Under- are gonna perform in the face of death. Exactly. That's what they're looking at. So I can imagine watching this movie for the first time, when it came out, it would have been pretty impactful for this scene to happen because most of the crew die in the scene. Oh yeah. Like uh Kirstie Alley, uh Lieutenant Savick, um, like obviously fails the test because there's no way to win it. And all these, yeah. uh, all, all the crew that we love are uh, pretending to get killed. So uh, the test ends though with Admiral Kirk walking into the room and ending the simulation. I wanted to just uh, do a little segue here on the Kobayashi Maru. In a 1989 book titled The Kobayashi Maru, written by Julie Eckler, it tells how four of the characters on the crew faced the test. And I thought it'd be fun to share how some of the other people in the crew did. Oh, awesome. Perfect. So, so Chekhov, he okay. evacuates his ship and then crashes it into the three Klingon cruisers, destroying wow. all four ships in the process, but inadvertently destroying all of the evacuees as well. Oh, shit. So he kills everybody. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, seemed like a good thought at first. A very heroic thought. <laughs> um, Kills Very okay. selfless, but he didn't he didn't yeah. carry the one in that equation. <laughs> exactly. He didn't quite do the math. <laughs> Sulu realizes it's probably a trap and refuses to cross the neutral zone. His senior crew threaten mutiny, but are faced down by a fellow cadet who who warns of making a bad situation worse. So that kind of just seems like what even happened hmm. in that in that scenario? Yeah. Did, he didn't even get past his own crew. <laughs> He didn't even get to the Klingons. He just refused to play. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, okay, oh, here it comes. Here's the scenario. And he's like, no, thanks. Yeah, Scotty tricks the simulation into overestimating the effectiveness of a theoretical attack against the Klingon ships overlapping shielding. The Academy staff, in response, 
reassigned Scotty from command school to engineering. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I mean, I feel like that was really good. <laughs> Poor Scotty. Yeah, I yeah. guess he's better used there. He's better used in engineering. Yeah, I guess so. Beautiful. Of, of course, we know Kirk reprograms the simulated Klingons to be afraid and apologetic toward, quote, the Captain Kirk. <laughs> arguing <laughs> arguing that he expected to build a comparable reputation <laughs> That's my favorite. That's my favorite. he's like by the time i get to this scenario people have such respect for me that they'll just back down <laughs> he's like wait yeah this 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 isn't fair because when i get here they'll know kirk they'll know the name kirk. that's right <laughs> he didn't work into the simulation oh, that they you're know right me that already. guy does have an ego i know that's what i'm telling you yeah yeah, it seemed it seemed wrong last movie that he was just so capable, <laughs> like doesn't have an ego at all. Yeah. So Savick here, Lieutenant Savick, she mentioned after after the uh, the test that she doesn't see a no win outcome as a possibility. And I really like that because that parallels what Kirk's sentiment in the 2009 reboot was. He had the right. same idea. He said, I don't I don't I don't believe in no win situations. So. I I love that they pulled that directly from this movie. Yeah. Right? And I also noticed there were several other things in this movie that got pulled and placed into that reboot that I hadn't noticed before. So I was really pleased by that. Totally, Tim. It was very fun to watch all those things pop up and know that they put like so the people who made like J.J. Abrams, uh, who, who made that movie must love this one because so many things were pulled from this one. Yeah. I noticed right away Spock. <sighs> Seems more like Spock, more like the one I know and love, not that yeah. heartless, homeless bastard from the last movie. Uh, to- yeah, I, I totally get it now. I get the Spock love now. Did not get it last movie. No, nobody did. <laughs> so Kirk is in his quarters when Bones pays him a visit. It's Kirk's birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday Great. to you. Uh, Bones has brought some illegal Romulan ale for them to enjoy. Nice. Mm, it looks strong. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. When Kirk put it down, he didn't look like he enjoyed it. Uh, he reminded me of when you took the first sip of your eggnog on our Christmas special. <laughs> right. <laughs> I got slapped in the face with some uh, some <laughs> some rum that floated to the top. Yeah. Yeah. Some rum accidentally made its way in there. Uh, <laughs> I really like the set design for his quarters. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I was very impressed. I was, I was like, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, he he also gets reading glasses, Tim. He does. Yeah, one of the themes they wanted to play with was like um, aging. Um, yeah, kind of like being past it. your prime. So they gave him gave him some glasses. Yep. Do you think they have like laser eye surgery in the in the future? Interesting. There? They never thought of that one, I guess. No. I mean, come on, Tim. Back in like the seventies, that doesn't really make sense. You shine a laser in your eye and you can see. It doesn't, but it should have. You know what? It still doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't actually. Luckily, don't I don't think like I have peel back layers of your eye. I think they peel back Isn't that a what layer. That surgery does. Yeah. yeah, they peel back some sort of layer, and then they shoot you with a laser, and then that magically <laughs> makes your eye better. Great, sounds like and an then awesome you procedure. You can't see for a little bit, and you hope that yeah. your sight comes back. <laughs> you hope it comes back, and then it comes back perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think sometimes it doesn't, though. My goodness, I'll keep my glasses. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> Talk about roll of the dice there. <laughs> I know lots of people have done it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it seems to work. So Bones gives Kirk a talking to here. He says Kirk is hiding behind his console at the Academy when he should be out there jumping galaxies. He encourages Kirk to get back out captaining a ship. We catch up with Chekhov, who's on a different ship. He's on the USS Reliant. And the mission of that ship is to assist a group of scientists who are working on the Genesis machine. Chekhov and the captain of the ship Terrell beam down to a planet which is going to be used as the test site for this Genesis machine, but they've detected a small trace of life and they need to check it out first. I guess the scientist mm, yeah, was yeah, saying yeah. if there's even this, they need they need a lifeless planet, and if there's even right. the smallest sign of life on there, it could throw everything off. So they need to go yeah. check it out. So once they're on the planet, they find some bunkers, and Sulu finds something with SS Botany Bay on it and freaks out. Cool. This is a really cool scene that I never got to appreciate fully because it didn't make sense to me 
on my first viewing. But that was Khan's ship from the episode Space Seed. So if you'd mm-hmm. watched the original series and seen that episode, you would know that Khan is here. And you would have, even though they show him like 10 seconds later, you would have gotten kind of the inside track on what's happening. And you kind of would have had a, a holy shit moment there. So, Yeah, well, I think that's why it's such a cool moment, because even though it, for us who don't know that, it really works because it's like, oh, man. Chekhov knows what's up here and he's freaking out. So like, I can't wait to figure out what it is. So it totally works for us. But then if you were someone who knew that and had seen that episode, it'd work even better. You'd get even more of a, yeah, an oh shit moment. I know exactly what's coming now. Yeah. So uh, Chekhov freaks out. Him and Terrell take off. But before they can escape, they meet up with Khan, Noonien, Singh and his crew. Now, where the first movie didn't give many nods to the show... Khan is an excellent nod to the original series. They're going they're going for it here. Yeah. And another thing I'm noticing in this scene, so I'm like getting really pumped in this scene. I'm getting really excited. Um, I like all this this uh, tension that's building. While the other movie was so like slow and just like chill out, this movie I can already tell right away is just on the gas. Like I'm, it's, it's like thriller right away. Like I'm just like totally into everything that's going on. There's like mystery. There's every, all this stuff building. There's multiple storylines where like, the other one, we had one storyline, one thing that everybody's doing. This one, we've now hit like three separate areas and they're all kind of doing their own, you know, their own thing, their own missions. And also we get into this bunker and it's looking totally 80s. Like this looks like totally 80s sci-fi movie, um, which didn't get at all in the um, first movie. In the original one, it did look like kind of classic 70s, 60s type sets. And now I'm looking like, oh, cool. Like we actually look like, an 80s movie here. Yeah, I like that you said they're hitting the gas because that's exactly what they're doing. They're just, they're cruising through this one. It's it's really good. Yeah. Khan recognizes Chekhov though and explains what happened to him and the crew of the Botany Bay. And basically what happened was, well, I guess a little bit of, a little bit of background to that Space Seed episode and, and his origin is Khan um, and his, his group, his team are forced to flee Earth into space. And they're in like cryostasis and the Enterprise stumbles upon them. Kirk revives Khan and Khan tries to take over the ship to right. free his ship and then like be in control of both ships. Kirk stops him and sends Khan and his crew to SETI Alpha 5, which is um, hospitable for life. It's a bit rough, but he thought Khan and the group would excel there. So he kind of mm-hmm. like banishes them to that planet. Khan says that, yes, they were sent there to SETI Alpha 5, and it was a suitable place to live, but six months after they got there, the neighboring planet SETI Alpha 6 exploded, destroying all the vegetation on their planet and all the life, and they ended up losing several crew members, including his wife, and they suffered for many, many years on that barren wasteland of a planet. Yeah, and their planet has also moved in sort of the orbit, which is why um, Chekhov thought that he was going down to that Alpha 6 planet. But he's actually going to Alpha 5 because it's moved. I I love it. I think the idea is really cool because I love when just like a space movie does like space shit. It's Mm. like, oh, a planet like exploded, messed up your planet, your planet's moved now. Like we don't hear about this kind of stuff. So I love when like a sci-fi movie does some, you know, some sci-fi shit with it. Loved it. I also like that we're dealing with an actual villain this time around, where the first time we didn't really have a villain. It is kind of fun and nice to have like a very serious villain, but at the same time, they're setting up Khan as a sympathetic villain, which is very mm-hmm. interesting. Like he, he, what he's arguing here and what he's fighting for, you can, you can be on his side about it, right? Like he feels wronged yeah. by Kirk and he blames Kirk for the death of his wife, which is kind of true. So he's not like the bad, bad guy. It's not Kirk's fault that that planet exploded, but I mean, he is there directly. You know, it's kind of that thing where that villain has to convince themselves of who the person is that did the wrong and then just totally focus on that and can't stop thinking about it. So yeah, in his mind, this is like, he is totally right. Um, and we feel for him because he lost he lost members of his family in a situation where he should have been able just to live there fine. Yeah. So we get to the local sandbug scene here. Um, this creature is called the Seti Eel. And, I, dude, I loved this scene as a kid. 
as a kid you loved this scene? Yes, dude. Think of this me as a kid. Terrifying. Think of man. me as a kid. Everybody knows by now that I cried when Jaws got killed in Jaws One. <laughs> right. And this was my favorite scene in the movie as a kid. So You're a weird kid, man. I look at it now and I'm like, what the hell was wrong with me back then? Like, why totally, is this my man. favorite move for my favorite scene in the movie? I don't get it. But it's so creepy. It's so creepy. I love that thing. I wanted one. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I want you wanted one? Oh yeah, I you wanted, wanted to one. be able to like pull out the little yeah. slugs out mm-hmm. of it and put it on your friends. Yeah. Well, no, and I don't want to use them on anybody. Maybe. I probably <laughs> wanted to use them on mom and dad. Right, right. <laughs> or older brother, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You will let me play video games all day long. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, but Khan does pull some of the babies out, and he lets them crawl into the ears of Chekhov and Terrell. Ugh. And the eels are a type of mind control device, and Khan then asks them where he can find James Kirk. Yeah. Revenge. He wants some revenge. Perfect. Admiral Kirk comes aboard the Enterprise for a training mission. The main crew is there, and it's captained by Spock. But the the like remainder, I don't know how many of the crew are trainees, but there's a good chunk of members on the crew who are trainees, which is really cool. Right. Yeah. Because these trainees on the ship end up having to go out into this confrontation. Yeah, the the actual like main mission is just to be like, oh, like let's just do a training mission, you know, let's just uh do something easy where we can uh train train these people. Yeah. And it gets uh diverted. So Chekhov calls to the uh Genesis team and lets them know SETI Alpha 6 is ready for testing and that the Reliant is coming right away to take control of the Genesis machine. Starfleet hmm. orders. Hmm. And we see that Khan and the crew have now taken over the Reliant and their crew. So the Genesis team here is really upset and pissed off that um, Chekhov's coming to take their machine away. And they contact uh, Starfleet to bitch about it. And Kirk gets the message and wants to go investigate. He wants to... It's... um. The con kind of like uh, jams their signal so they can't hear everything that's being said. But Kirk hears enough that he knows that something's up. So he goes to investigate and he explains what he does is he explains the mission to Spock and like wants Spock to go do the mission. He wants him to go look into it because he's right. Kirk's the Admiral. He's kind of like just a teacher now. But Spock has this great line where he says the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And it would be best if Kirk captained this mission and Kirk agrees and then shows Spock and bones, a video about the Genesis machine. We learn that it's capable of creating life on a barren planet just out of nothing. It can create like a lush, lush planet, Um, but it also has the power to destroy. Yeah. Well, if anything's living, it actually destroys it. So that's why, when they were first looking at the original planet, there could be no life forms on it at all if they wanted to test that Genesis on it because it would actually kill any life forms there. Right, which is a really cool idea because it's like a mega weapon at the same time, right? Like pointed at Earth yep. and you can kill every living thing on Earth. Pointed at the moon and you create a new a new Earth, a new planet. Yep, it's one of those great ideas where the weapon is so powerful that it can be used for good and used for evil. And so people who have the right intentions at first, want to use it for good, but it sort of needs to be destroyed because if it gets in the wrong hands, it could be used for evil. So I always love these giant type uh, weapons that the heroes want to get their hands on because it'd be such an asset, but they know that it can't necessarily, like if it gets in the wrong hands, it's the end. So it, you know, it's, it's a big deal of what to do with that, with that weapon. Yeah. I also just wanted to say before we move on that I really like Spock in this scene. And this is where I start to really like him because of that line. He said, because he's giving up the, you know, the command to Kirk because he knows Kirk will actually do a better job. Whereas if this was Spock from last movie, I feel like he'd just be like, yep, I'm taking control. This is my thing. Well, Spock's whole thing is logic, right? And what he used in this movie is logic. It makes sense that you would have Kirk at the helm for this mission. But yeah. What we get in the first movie is we get what seems to be a Spock without logic. Like he was on, he was on some right. personal mission um, that he just had to he had to like communicate with this super consciousness, um, no matter what else happened. 
And it was just, yeah. it was really weird. It was just a really weird out of character thing for him to do that. So yeah, yeah. I, I like that we get back to his totally. roots here and he's, you know, rooted in logic. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really starting to like him at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. So Reliant and Khan have already caught up with the Enterprise. I wasn't like, I wasn't expecting that to happen so fast. It, it happens so early. quick. Khan is just like, let's waste no time and let's kill Kirk. So the Reliant fires on Enterprise, and it's a direct hit in all the right spots. Mm. And Enterprise is all busted up, and Khan calls over to Enterprise because he wants Kirk to see who it is that's about to kill him. Yeah. Khan offers to spare the lives of the crew if Kirk will hand over all information on Genesis. Kirk, being um, a Starfleet captain and admiral... He knows all the Starfleet command codes for the, the various ships, and he's able right. to kind of hack the Reliant to drop cool. their shields. And then Enterprise fires on them, and uh, the Reliant is forced to retreat. I really like this. I really like this exciting ship battle uh, right off the bat because, you know, especially knowing us knowing that, you know, Khan's in the Reliant, but, you know, everybody on the Enterprise not knowing that. And, you know, there's no need to, you know, put up shields or anything. Like, these are friends. We're just trying to communicate with them. That's all. And then it gets close enough and they get shot. And then, you know, it starts the, the you know, the the talking starts and then Kirk having to figure something out. I just think it's like the tension is so high in this scene for a viewer who knows what's going on. Definitely, because Kirk's ship just sees another Starfleet vessel, right? So they have nothing yeah. to be worried about. Khan on the other ship knows they're going to fire. And it's just how long before Enterprise does something yeah. to defend themselves, right? This is a really, really great part. Some real, uh, some real subtle jokes that I really, really liked that uh, they they threw in 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 the movie. And what was happening here was as the Reliant was approaching Enterprise, Savick cites some Starfleet regulations, and Spock immediately like shuts her down and says. Um, that he assures her the captain knows all about that regulation. Mm. But it turned out that Kirk didn't know about that regulation. So after that encounter happens, he like he took her advice there. And after the encounter happens, he tells her to go on citing Starfleet regulation whenever she wants. Nice. So a little bit later, Savick cites regulation again. And Kirk says, there's no such regulation as that. And then he thinks back and he says, oh, okay, you can come with us. Like he invites her to come with them on the mission. She's like, whatever she cited was like, you know, Starfleet regulation, blah, 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 says that this person should come with the captain on an away mission. Like she was kind of saying like, I should come with you. And he's like, there's no such regulation. And um, then like whether or not it was a regulation or whether or not she was just saying that to like come along because he'd believe her either way. It's just a really funny moment that they kind of set up at this point and then paid it off a little bit later. So I just thought it was really funny. That's one of the things I really liked about her characters. Um, It's subtle, but if you can kind of pick up on some of the dialogue that's going on, uh, I really did like her part. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to say. Yeah, I did too. I did too, Tim. You know what? You're right. I, I really Oh, like yeah. You know what, Tim? I think I've totally come around on her, <laughs> and she's actually my favorite character in the entire movie. Oh, wow. No, she's fine. She's fine, Tim. It's I, I, I didn't even mean to come down on her hard, but like I just I, I felt like I didn't get it. No, no. It's okay. I, I get it. I get it. I'm just having yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. Where, though, Tim, in your in, in our plot progression here, do we talk about Khan's chest? Um, I wasn't going to. Oh, it's incredible. This guy's chest is amazing. Okay, so for the first, um, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes he's on screen, all I was doing was trying to figure out if that chest was real or not. Like, his oh, it chest was real. looks incredible. It was, it was real. real. I could tell because I could tell he was breathing. I could tell his muscles were moving when he was doing different kinds of uh, movements. My goodness, he's he looks incredible. He's like, it was so strange because he had this kind of wrinkly face and then this just like super thick chest super smooth i was like where are the wrinkles where are your body wrinkles why are you why is your chest so tight uh i do know that they like created that costume just to show off his chest well of course yeah that yeah. costume is like yeah just show i, I th- actually thought you were going to come to this podcast with that costume oh if i had it i would have loved to have worn that <laughs> i thought you were, you were going to show off the chest on this that'd one. be a great great costume yeah i think they 
they probably had different outfits for the characters until they signed on Ricardo. And then they're like, oh, <laughs> right. we need to cut the front right out of this costume. Right. Well, here's here. I actually did see an interview with him and he was concerned about playing the part again after it being so long and being able to live up to it. Maybe he just hit the gym hard because I have seen some clips of him in the older episodes. He's bigger in this movie than he was in those episodes. So maybe he just hit the gym hard. He's like, I got to look great. All he did was push ups. <laughs> yes. All push ups and bench. Push ups. Yeah. Push ups and bench. Those pecs are huge. They're huge. Man. Yeah, they, yeah, they're they're huge. Like his chest is as much of a, a character as he is. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd agree. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. So Enterprise gets to the space station that has the Genesis machine on it. Khan was already there though, and he's killed most of the scientists. But Kirk and the crew find Chekhov and Terrell. Khan, that schemy bugger, is listening in to everything that's going on in the station. Yeah. And he orders that Chekhov and Terrell kill Kirk. They are still yeah. under the mind control of the SETI eel. But they can't do it. They want to. They've got the phasers pointed at Kirk. This is a great scene. They've got them pointed at Kirk, but they can't yeah. bring themselves to kill him. And Terrell, he's like fighting it. He's like is starting to put the phaser towards himself and is fighting as hard yeah. as he can to shoot himself. Ends up shooting himself. And he then, pulls it on himself. Yeah, pulls it on himself because he can't kill Kirk. And yeah. then Chekhov passes out uh, from pain of the creature just in his in his brain. Um, and then this uh, little creature crawls out of his ear and Kirk fries it. But that was a real powerful scene. Yeah, the super powerful. This movie is like for teenagers. Like this, this movie's very, you know, serious and very violent. There's been a lot of sort of imagery that I've been like, whoa, that is not like that is pretty violent, pretty bloody. And then, you know, Terrell turning the gun on himself. It's like, wow, this is this is serious stuff. It was serious. Maybe that's why I like just the bug scene the best, because nobody was getting murdered in that scene. <laughs> yeah, like, maybe. Just yeah. vaporized. It was like the tamest of scenes. Yeah, oh, the bug coming out of his ear, though, <laughs> so disgusting, oh, it's man. gross. They have that it's gigantic, so they use that, like, gigantic, like, fake model ear. You can tell yeah. the bugs, <laughs> the bug itself is supposed to be tiny, like a, a little cricket or something. But yeah. you can tell that it was probably, like, a foot big, like, like 12 oh, yeah, inches yeah. big. And they have this giant yeah. ear that they've created that they, they push can push it, it out yeah. of and, like, blood comes yeah. out. <laughs> it probably looked so great at the time, but. Yeah, totally. It like it doesn't look real, but also it looks gross. Like if you just focus on that bug, it's like, oh, yeah, it's it's nasty. <laughs> it's nasty, man. Oh, that's why I could never go on Survivor, Tim. For Seeing that? stuff like that, I feel like that would happen every night to me. A bug would crawl in my ear and then crawl, dig its way in and crawl out. I guess so. I don't know if that stuff happened. That I think that happened one time on Survivor. Somebody got something. Yeah, I stuck saw a bug in, in someone's ear one time. Yeah. But it, it crawl. It made its way out. It just crawled out, and they were better. Yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> it would happen to me though, Tim. It would happen. You'd be to the me. guy. Yeah, you got one. Yeah. One in I'd each be the year. guy that got the bug. Yeah. So Khan is shocked that his plan didn't work, but he's able to beam out the Genesis machine now, which the scientists revealed after he had left, and the um, Enterprise crew showed up. Right. It's at this point where we hear the scream heard around the world. And forever meme of Kirk screaming, Khan! Have you ever seen these memes? So good. Oh, I, I've seen them before, and I've never actually heard it, though. Yeah. And it was fantastic. I mean, it just lives up to the meme. That's yeah, pretty good. It's such a strange scream. It's like, it's not real. <laughs> like, yeah. it's so strange. I feel like whenever Kirk screams something, it never sounds real. I know. It's like he's acting. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, he's so strange. Gone. <laughs> it was a little bit so more intense great. than that. It was more, yeah, but I didn't want to scare everyone in my home. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So Kirk, the crew, and the Genesis team are now stuck uh, at the lab for a while as the ship is being repaired. Carol, the lead scientist on Genesis, turns out to be an old fling of Kirk's. And yeah. David, her son, who works there as well, turns out to be Kirk's son. And amazing. Kirk, it was amazing. Kirk is only just realizing it at this moment. And I, I actually enjoyed this, this twist that Kirk has a son and this is the guy. 
I loved it, Tim. When I first saw her, and I they sort of said that she had had, um, you know, this relation past relationship with Kirk, and then I saw this this David. I was like, oh, I wonder if that's his son, because that would be that would be great. And then when it did happen. It just, yeah, it just made me smile. It's like, oh, they went there. He, he has this son. That's great. What a, what a great thing to write in. They went there and I he like... He has a son that, that he never knew of because she didn't want that son to be part of his life because she knew that he was going to be off doing other things. So she wanted the son for herself. You know, she didn't want to have to share him, so she didn't tell him. Yeah, totally. And I like that the son's a little bit edgy. Like, he's a little bit like Kirk, you know? Oh, he's yeah. He's got that DNA in him. Well, he hates Kirk. He does, yeah. He thinks he's dumb. Like he he want he just hates his his attitude, and it kind of makes sense when like two guys with egos come up against each other. You know, you don't like that other guy who's got the ego because you want to be. You know, you got that edge to you. Yeah, I really liked their interactions. I liked his hair too, his golden perm. It's amazing. It's gold. Yeah, because it's blonde like hers, and it's curly like his. It was perfect. <laughs> it's awesome. So after some time with the scientists, they get back on board, but the ship is still very badly damaged. Not much is working, but they have to go to battle stations. Uh, they know the Reliant is out there. They know it has the Genesis machine. And they know Khan still has a major itch to kill Kirk. So they use that to their advantage, which is really cool. They find a nearby nebula where their tactical display and shields will be useless, which would make it an even fight if they can get Khan to follow them into the nebula. Yeah, man. Dude, this nebula. Yeah. This looks good. Yeah, I like this it nebula. Does look good. I, I think I think the scenes in this nebula look great. This is this is maybe the you know, they have a, a small or a, a much smaller budget really than the first one. And uh so sometimes I mean I didn't really notice a lot that the effects were way worse. Like they seem still fine, but you didn't have any of those sort of big, amazing looking scenes. And this to me is when the effects kind of hit the peak. I, I really like the stuff in the nebula. I think it looks really cool. Yeah, it does look really cool. They, they do a nice job. And like getting yeah. to this Nebula scene, this is, I oh, I love this scene. Always love this scene. Uh, as a kid, I loved it. And now I love it. It's just an excellent scene. So It is. And it's very interesting because this movie has been sort of running at uh, like full speed for the entire thing. We haven't taken a breath. It's like 100% go, 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 go. And then we have a ship fight scene. That is a slowdown scene. It's very strange. Like they, they're actually, because of the nebula and because they can't use radar or anything like that, it's more of a tactical fight. And so it's a more slow moving fight. So we actually slow down the movie in the big ship battle. And it's it, just a interesting choice. I really liked it. Yeah, it makes sense, though, because of how damaged uh, the Enterprise is. So For sure, yeah. Now, Khan wasn't going to follow them into the nebula until Kirk appeals to Khan's pride and tells him that he's laughing at Khan's superior intellect. And that lights a fire under Khan's ass, and they do follow Enterprise into the Mutara Nebula. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know he's going to follow him in. You know he's just so hell-bent on this revenge that he is going in there no matter what. He needs to be the one that ends him. Yeah, his first officer was like, we can't go in there. And he's like, you know, yeah. why? And he's like, well... Our, our, sh our shields and sensors will be down. We'll be like sitting ducks for them. And he's like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. And then Kirk comes on. He's like, why don't yeah. you follow me in, Con? <laughs> Come on, follow me in. And he's like, we're going, going, yeah, we're going. Like, what are you, chicken? What are you, chicken, Con? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's great. It's great because Con, the first officer even says this. Con's already won. He already has the Genesis weapon. Like he right. already beat him. But he's like, no, 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 I need to end him. Like, he's he's making a fool of me. No way, I'm in there. Yep. I, I also like this final scene because you've got these two super technologically advanced ships who are reduced to using just their wits about them. Mm -hmm. Who's a smarter tactician when your technology has kind of failed? Um, it's, it's a... It's a bit of a stretch, but I, I think maybe I ha just had this feeling because we were coming off of all the Predator episodes, but it really yeah. felt like a Predator fight at the end where the technology had been stripped off. And it's just like, right. who's smarter, who's tougher? Totally. And it, it's actually, we haven't talked about this at all, but um, I guess we kind of touched on how there's a, a main theme of, you know, Kirk being old 
and they talk about that a lot. And it's a really cool setup that like an adversary from 15 years ago pops up and this guy doesn't really age. Like he's genetically engineered to still be at the same level he was 15 years ago, but Kirk's going to be the one to go after him again. So you got this guy feeling like he's old going against a long time, you know, adversary who doesn't age. And it comes down to their wits and Kirk can still hang with them. And I think that's just, it's a really cool way to have a final fight here. So we get an amazing back and forth dogfight between these two great minds. So Khan loses his second in command and the Enterprise is also very badly damaged in the fight. Spock thinks Khan is smart, but not experienced. And he says he also doesn't think in three dimensional terms. So Kirk drops Enterprise 10,000 meters on the Z-axis. Now, this idea is very much ahead of his time, in my opinion. Like, thinking in three-dimensional space back, right. you know, in this year, it wasn't yeah. like, that's not really a big thing for, you know, many people. Yeah, right now you would watch this and you would be like, well, obviously, why wouldn't you think in three-dimensional space? But yeah, back then, I mean, even... Even computer graphics aren't really a big thing back then. Um, I think they used some in this movie, but like this was not something people were using. So they, no one's thinking this way. No one's thinking in three-dimensional space. So this is actually, I was thinking that too watching this. I was like, this is kind of a cool idea right now. It is. Yeah. I think um, like when they say Z-axis, I think for the most part, that probably just like breezes past people. People don't understand what that means at this time. They're just yeah. like, well, whatever that is, right. you know, whatever that means, uh, so I, I like like going back and seeing that, that that's a very just smart thing they throw in there. Yeah. And um, yeah, so they drop down 10,000 meters. The Reliant cruises past Enterprise and then Enterprise kind of comes back up after Reliant goes past them. And then they shoot Reliant from behind and they cause massive damage. Khan is all burnt up and appears to be defeated, but he says mm-hmm. the game is not over. He sets up the Genesis machine to self-destruct, which will cause a massive detonation. Yep. So Enterprise turns around and starts heading in the other direction, but with warp speed being down, they're not going to get far enough to avoid the explosion. So Spock, in a selfless act, goes into an area flooded with radiation to get the ship the power it needs to jump to warp. Mm-hmm. What did you think of this this part when you're watching it? I thought this part was great. Well, I mean, like you're watching it and yeah. Spock's going in to do this. Like Bones is like, you can't go in there. You can't go in there. What are you thinking? Are you thinking like, oh, Bones just doesn't know what he's talking about. Spock will go in. Spock will do what he needs to do. Spock will come out. Everything's going to be fine. Or were you like... Yeah, so Spock did say it'll be fine. And so I just trusted him. I, I, I honestly, when I thought like, so I know I did know ahead of time that, you know, something goes down in this movie. Well, um, I mean, you saw it, the the reboot, right? And we've talked exactly. about the reboot. And I explained it in that episode. I think that they kind of reversed the roles for who dies. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, I guess, I guess you weren't really seeing it for, even though you were seeing it for the first time, you weren't really seeing that, that idea for the first time. Exactly. So I, I knew, but then Spock was so cool. Like he was so calm and cool and he was like, no, it'll be fine. And he walks in there. And so I was kind of confused because I was like, well, I think it isn't fine. So why is he just like so chill about it and being like, no, it's cool. It won't affect me. Um, yeah. So I, I did think that he was, I thought maybe something else might happen because he's so confident about doing this. Mm. So Khan has some poetic last words before the explosion. And then we get the explosion. It was a great explosion. Like, as explosions go, I really oh, yeah. enjoyed it. Um, pretty sure, though, that his chest survived. I don't know if I don't know if you can blow that chest up, actually. No, I think they actually uh, shot back to it quickly, and his chest was still just intact, totally fine. Floating in space. I think I saw it shooting gone, but... out, but intact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Kirk arrives in engineering to find Spock in a room full of radiation. Scotty says Spock is dead already and it's too late. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for me at this point, when I'm watching it the first time, um, I wasn't, I wasn't buying it. I just thought they were going to do some sort of like twist like, oh, at the last minute. Hey, if we, uh, you know, pump the room full of uh, the reverse type of gas, everything will be fine. Right. So, yeah. Uh, it was a big shocker for me, and I'm sure everybody else watching 
Um, so I was thinking, oh, something's just going to happen and Spock's going to be fine. So I was pretty shocked when that wasn't the case. Right. Yeah. And also this is like, this scene is so incredibly fantastic. Like mm. Spock is like what he has to say when he's in that chamber is so great. This moment between the two is so powerful. So I like that he ends up being in a casket at the end of this, because I think that that was sort of, it made that scene stronger. I, I know like, I mean, I know the name of the next movie, so I'm not I, like, <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen and where we're going to go with it. Mm-hmm. But I like how this movie is as like a one piece thing that they have that huge special moment between friends and he actually ends up that was his sacrifice because, you know, you open up the movie on the Kobayashi Maru. This is Spock doing the Kobayashi Maru. It's a no win situation and he's the one who chooses to die. And so I like him dying at the end because that's that's the choice right he was he saw he saw he says that kirk should be the commander but he's the one at the end that makes the the choice to die mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's just there's a lot of things going on and i really like this coming to this ending yeah it's, it's an excellent ending um they told people ahead of time that that spock was going to die so mm. i think which is a a bit weird i guess it got leaked it must have gotten leaked but people were very upset that spock was going to die um there was big backlash and even ahead of the movie being released they already like let people know there was going to be a a follow-up to it okay you know so so that people would call like that he was going to return or whatever like yeah yeah uh, people were getting like out of control about you know spock dying so much so that they were sending they were sending leonard nimoy death threats (laughs) <laughs> because Spock was going to die. It's like, what? Jeez, come on. You what think is he wrong has to with do you? with that? Like, come on. Because <laughs> you know if you kill Leonard Nimoy, then Spock really no more does Spock. die. <laughs> no more Spock, real, Not just in the movies. So You didn't think that death threat through. <laughs> no, <you>? no. <laughs> that, uh, that person has anger issues and just lashes out. But yeah. So I, anyways, I, re- I really like how I like how it ended. I, I like that it did end like that. Um, I then was like, oh. I didn't know that at the end of the movie, he would be in a casket. So then I was like, oh man, I can't wait for the next movie. What's it going to be? And, you know, just read the title and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> he might be returning. He might be back. So, yeah. <laughs> well, let's get just get back to that scene because I do want to talk about the scene because it is a really great yeah. scene. It's amazing. Um, so Kirk calls out to Spock. Um, obviously, Kirk is, you know, in pain because of the news. Spock tells him not to grieve. That uh, once again says the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And Spock says, I never took the Kobayashi Maru test until now. What do you think of my solution? Hmm. And it's just like, oh my goodness. Like, it's amazing. So powerful. It's so, it is so powerful. Spock gives the traditional Vulcan courtesy of live long and prosper and then dies. Yeah. And they have a ceremony for Spock where Kirk says of his friend, of all the souls he has encountered among his travels, his was the most human. Mm-hmm. And it's at this point where Lieutenant Savick starts crying. And that makes this all that much more impactful for me to see okay. a Vulcan cry, to, to, to know how close she was to Spock and to see her like break all of her training in sadness and just start crying was exceptionally powerful. Probably the most powerful thing in that scene, watching it now, like watching it yeah. as a kid, it's like, oh, Spock's dead, you know, yeah. that that's the worst. But um, kind of rewatching it and picking up some of the stuff you missed, watching her cry was very powerful for me. So um, yeah, honestly, dude, it. that's so cool. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that that's like training to repress emotion. So I really, really like it now where before I was just watching it and I was like, I don't get it. I thought they didn't have emotions. Like, I don't they really like, understand what's happening here. They had like the most intense emotions and their civilization was like almost savage. And it got to mm. a point where like like everything was so violent that they needed needed to change. Uh, change their ways so they decided to just repress uh, start studying to repress all emotions so that they wouldn't go back to like that wild kind of type of life that they had interesting okay yeah i then i absolutely love that part where i was just uh, confused before so thank you for uh, shining the light on that one so they shoot spock's body off into space in his little casket and kirk has a nice moment with his son 
where his son understands, finally understands Kirk and is proud of Kirk and proud to be his son, which was, which was nice. Yeah. And we don't get a moment where he is told that Kirk is his father. So this is where I believe that he has known the whole time. Yeah. So true, the good where, point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe yeah. that too. So we didn't really know that. And we just know that this kid hates Kirk. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, if he finds out that Kirk is his father, this is going to be like Luke with Darth Vader. Like this is the worst person he wants to be his father. This is the last person he wants to be his father. But he comes in, talks to him, says he respects him, you know, uh, uh, like says that no, says that he knows his, he's his father. And that's what I'm thinking. Oh, he knew the whole time. That's probably where a lot of the anger comes from too, that he just hasn't been there at all. That's a really good point. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. that's true. So we end with seeing the tube with Spock's body in it landing on a lush green planet. As the camera moves off into the stars, we hear Spock reciting the classic opening of the OG Star Trek series. Ah, and cool. And we're yeah, done. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So also hearing him talk with that casket on a planet, I'm like, okay, well, like if he's talking, like there's something going on here. He's coming back. Um, yeah. So I'm pretty pumped. I'm pretty pumped to keep going and see what happens. Tell you what, I'm pretty sure I've seen the search for Spock, but I don't remember. I don't mm. remember anything about it. I think I'm pretty sure I saw this movie when I was younger but I think I've only seen it one time and I, I don't remember anything about it. So I'm pretty stoked as well. Now, nice. without knowing exactly what occurs, I just got the feeling that they shot his casket towards where the Genesis exploded and created life. And for me, if they yeah. shoot him towards that, it would make sense oh, shit. that his yes. dead body could come back to life in that type yes. of environment. So. Yes, um, good point. I, I yeah, I feel like, like that's oh, totally. That, and then the planet was so lush, right? Like it was so yeah, lush yeah. that I yeah. feel like that's what's happening, which is a believable explanation for how Spock could potentially just come back to life. It really right. is. I mean, yeah, it really is. I like it. Anything else you wanted to touch on that we missed? Um, I don't think so. Just that it's you know completely different than the first movie, and I like them both for what they are. I like the first you know, slow, slow burn sci-fi think piece. And I like the second action thriller, basically like this thing's nonstop. It goes, goes, goes so many things going on. So many different threads. They all come together. Great movie. Super fun movie. Yeah. For me, this second movie is the one that gets most of the replay for me. So I I love watching the original. I love watching the motion picture. Um, But I just, it's not one that I could watch like, today and then watch again tomorrow yeah. but the wrath of Khan, i could watch today and i could watch it tomorrow i could watch it the next day. i can just keep throwing it in because it's so much fun so i love them both i love them for different reasons but both both really excellent movies yeah totally agree all right let's get to what if So, Dean, the original plan for this movie was to kill Spock at the beginning of the movie. Mm. So the scene in the Kobayashi Maru test where he pretends to be killed is kind of like a little bit of a nod to that. But what if the producers stuck to their guns and did kill Spock at the beginning of the movie? How does that change things for you? Now, I'll throw a little something in there to let you think about okay obviously we lose the character of spock throughout that movie but at the same time it's really going to strengthen the character of khan for doing something that dramatic at the beginning i mean i'm assuming that khan kills spock at the beginning i I can't imagine another scenario where where spock just like randomly dies i'm assuming the way they were going to do it was khan was going to kill spock so you elevate khan but you lower spock a bit so just what do you think? Yeah, so for for me, it's yucky. I don't like it um, because because all I have as a Star Trek watcher right now under my belt 
is movie one and then however many minutes were in movie two before Spock died. And I didn't really dig them that much in movie one. So it would kind of be like, okay, well, that guy's dead. And like, we'll see how everyone else reacts to that. But it's so much more powerful for me as a watcher who's just seen one and two that he dies at the end of two because I was really getting to like him at two. So I can really understand that ending with the bond between him and Kirk. And it really hits me a lot harder. Um, it was it was such a such a powerful moment for me at the end of that movie. And I if it happens at the beginning, I don't have that powerful moment happening. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, obviously. Um, I wonder if they wanted to kill him off at the beginning because his character was so bad in the first one. Maybe they're just like, like let's <laughs> right, write yeah. him, let's write him out. And I wonder. Yeah. Maybe they decided like, okay, well, let's not. They did get backlash again for wanting to write him out right away. So maybe they yeah. thought, well, like maybe we'll just write him as a better character and then do it. But yeah, regardless, I, don't I think. Mind. I mean, it. I I don't. Well, go ahead. I was just gonna say I don't mind characters dying at the beginning of movies. Like I think that is can be used interestingly for the rest of the movie. But for a main character like this, um, and even just for Kirk's character, it needs to happen at the end. Because that needs to that needs to play at the end for audiences and for Kirk's character. I don't think it's I think it's a little flat if it happens early. I think if these movies are like continuations, like number two picks up after number one and the characters are the same. Um, then you can you can make it happen because it's almost like it would have happened at the end of number one in that case. But with these right, ones, yeah. with the characters being so different, with the movies being so different, yeah, I don't know how that would really work at the beginning. Obviously, you get such a great payoff with it being at the end. Um, but I just thought, you know, it might be interesting if they decided to do that right at the beginning. You'd have to spend all that time that you spent on Spock in the movie. You'd have to spend it with Kirk and Khan. Um, to elevate their characters and their um, like fight and and struggles yeah. to make that whole conflict more epic. Right, that's how they would use it. They would use it as you know Kirk being more pissed off at Khan, where really the movie is sort of that Kirk fighting with his age and just wondering if he can still kick it with Khan, wondering if he can still you know, go fist to fist with the guy or like, you know, in, in a battle in some sort of, you know, obviously they don't do a physical fight because they're never in the same scene, but they do, you know, a technical fight where he has to use his brain and beat this guy. And I think that, that w could then be removed and you would just be going with the vengeance of Kirk. So then you just have vengeance versus vengeance, which is, you know, it's, it's just two guys who want to go at each other, which is a different movie. Okay, well, let's go down that path a bit. What does that movie look like? Yeah. Well, let's say Spock does get killed and we've got an extra 15 minutes or 20 minutes of screen time to play with. Um, what if we get to like um, an, an out of the ship battle where maybe, um, I don't know, let's just say both ships are disabled and you get to a, a spot where it's Kirk and Khan alone on a planet um, doing more uh, – intimate battles or yeah. uh, more stealthy battles. Um, maybe they're still trying to like, they're still playing like the cat and mouse game. Maybe it's just one-on-one -on -one though. Um, because if you have more time to, you know, dig into what that might look like, like what this um, personal battle between these, because they, they clearly hate each other, right? Like yeah. what, what more could you do with that rather than just have them in their spaceships? Um, it might lead to some interesting scenarios. Yeah, totally. Actually, just talking it out now, and as I was saying mine and now listening to yours, it's like, that wouldn't even really be that bad, because I really like Kirk. I really liked him from the first movie. I love him in this movie, uh, like, just great. So it would be more focused on him and more focused on his issues that he has to deal with. So I would actually be fine with it, you know, if, like, if Spock dies early and then it just, like fuels Kirk to be just a, a deeper character for this movie because it's going to be more focused on his, you know, his emotion his revenge what he does in the end if he has sort of con in some sort of i can kill you scenario what he's going to do with that it could become actually very interesting um so now i'm on <laughs> on board with it i'm starting to change <laughs> my mind I, as well it could be really interesting i know i i like the movie though like i like getting connected with spock and i like how he you know that connection in that moment at the end but it wouldn't be that bad if yes. he died early and then we just have a like a really focused movie on kirk so I think what we've got to is that if you have the same movie with Spock being, being killed at the beginning, it's terrible. 
because you don't get the character of Spock yes. through the movie. But if you kill Spock early and change the movie with the yeah. additional time you have to focus more on Khan and Kirk and their dynamic, yeah. it could be a very interesting movie. So It's a different um, movie, for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. different. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Yeah, you don't even really need the Genesis thing in it at all anymore. Not so much, like cuz no. the movie the movie's driven enough by your two characters who want revenge, like so you don't even need that anymore. Um so yeah, totally different movie, but I'm kind of on board with it. I kind of like I kind of want to see it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we did it. Yeah, good job. This is Tim. Tim, thank you for having me on for two Star Trek episodes. This has been awesome. I didn't know Star Trek movies were so good. Well, some of them are so good. I bet all of them are good. <laughs> that that's funny. This is me this is me just trying to angle to get on another show. That's cute. That's cute. <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> you can be on all the movie. You can be on all the movie episodes. Yes. That's for sure. The the movies I, I think there's something I think there's something good you can pull out of all the movies. I'll say that. No, like not there's nothing it's like it's fun. They're fun. I think that's what we try to do, Tim. Even when we do a bad movie, we like to have fun. And we think that most movies have something that you can pull out. That's that's a good time. Look, if we can if we can cover AVP Requiem, we can cover all of the Star Trek movies. If we can cover AVP Requiem and pull out something good out of that movie, we can cover anything. We've already hit rock bottom. So it's (laughs) (laughs) it's all uphill from that. For sure. And actually Santa Claus versus the Martians. I mean, come on. That oh, uh, goes head to head with AVP. Tim Actually, that was Christmas way better classic than AVP. Right way better than AVP. <laughs> it is nowhere near the worst movie we've covered. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, Dean, thank you for joining. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. everybody i'm Corey, and i'm zach and we're the hosts of podcasting after dark a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s often found on hbo and cinemax you know the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid you can find us every other week on apple podcasts spotify podbean and stitcher this is what you want this is what you get If you're looking for additional content from Talking Back, sign up for our monthly newsletter. We'll be doing monthly wrap-ups, sneak peeks, we'll show you some behind-the-scenes stuff, we'll be sharing recommendations, and who knows what else is going to go on. Find a link to the sign-up form in the bio of any of our social media accounts, or feel free to reach out to Tim or Dean and we'll set you up. That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.